listening to the Lakeshore Records Podcast and I'm your host Tony Giles. Joining me on today's episode is Mr. Robot composer Mac Quayle. Joining me now on the Lakeshore Records podcast is Mac Quayle, composer of the very wonderful Mr. Robot. How are you doing today, Mac? I'm doing quite well, thank you. Good. I imagine you must be quite busy now with Mr. Robot Season 2 about to kick off. Uh, yes. Yes, it just completed uh, the fantastic first episode and they are indeed keeping me busy. <laughs> How does it work on a show like that? Do you have you scored like, you know, four or five episodes for season two, or do you literally do it, you know, a week, two weeks beforehand? Um th- I mean that's pretty much how the schedule is working for the for the music. Mm. Is um I mean the first episode was um a bit more ahead of schedule. So I mean it doesn't air until july 13th and and it was done like a week ago so that's a little a little longer than normal but um as we get deeper into the season you know we'll be working right up to like a probably a week before it airs yeah yeah how much music is would you say you have to create for each episode i mean i think it averaged out in season one of about 25 minutes right that was that was the average. It var- you know, some well, as many as thirty-five minutes, some like ten. Yeah. So it really just varies uh, episode to episode, and then of course, um, score is not the only music. There's always um, at least one song, if if not more, in there as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I started rewatching uh, the series again just to kind of you know familiarize myself because season two is starting soon, and I'm getting excited about that and. There, uh, an episode I saw recently uh, featured the track Love on a Real Train by Tangerine Dream, and that worked so well with your score. Is is Tangerine Dream kind of like a, an influence on what you were going for, for the score for Mr. Robot? Well, definitely, definitely doing, uh, you know, looking into the past uh, with a retro synthesizer sound is, is certainly one of the influences 
that uh, that have gotten me inspired. Who was some? I mean, going back to to when you started your you know started composing and stuff. Uh, I first became aware of you on the work you did with Cliff Martinez, uh, Drive, uh, Spring Breakers, Arbitrage, stuff like that. When did you, you know, first kind of become interested in film music or, you know, scoring music? Well, um, you know, I had a previous career uh, in the music business. Um, I was in New York and I worked uh, first as a session keyboard player and programmer and then became a dance remixer and producer. Yeah. Uh, mostly dance music, some, some pop and um and i did that for a number of years until the music industry started uh to change um to put it nicely <laughs> and um and then i moved to los angeles in 2004 with this sort of vague idea of getting into scoring mm-hmm. and um that became a reality my first job working on a tv show called cold case um doing additional composing for a fantastic composer by the name of michael levine um michael introduced me to cliff martinez and um i did i think about 12 films with cliff and i'm a big fan he's he's definitely a huge influence um, i think he has a just a really great musical sensibility and uh, um, a very unique sound. Yeah, yeah. And I, you know, I was a fan of his before I before I got to meet him. You kind of, you seem to be the guy at the moment that's scoring everything I'm in love with: Mr. Robot, American Horror Story, Scream Queens, uh, American Crime Story. I mean, you just must work all the time. Well, that last year was was definitely very busy, and um, you know, I feel really fortunate. Um, I think all of those projects that you listed are, are all like really top notch and, um, and it's just, you know, it's just so fantastic to be, to be working with such talented people and, um, and, and to be proud of the final product. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, were you a fan of film music before you started working in film music? Um, definitely, definitely a fan. Um, I've, I've enjoyed it since I, since I can remember and, um, always thought it played, you know, a really important role in, uh, the final, you know, the final result of, of the story and the acting and the camera and everything that that comes together. The music really was a important, important part of that. Yeah, absolutely. Is there any kind of like key scores that you can think of? Like that's, that's a go-to score for you if you want to listen to some film music. Um, oh, I don't know. There's, there's so much. I mean, I, <laughs> the, the, um, you know, one of the first scores I feel like I really noticed, um, was probably Jaws. Right. That, that, uh, John Williams theme for the, for the shark, um, I mean, was, was a character in itself. I mean, yeah. it was just pretty amazing. Um, and yeah, I mean, there's just been so there's so much great film music out there. It's kind of hard to pick. Yeah, we're living in a fantastic time now, where film music is very much appreciated, uh, as well as in television these days as well. It's true. It's true. I mean, um, certainly in Europe, 
um, for a while now, film music has been enjoying its its own sort of popularity and life over there with these festivals and concerts and um, just a lot of people showing up to to just enjoy the film music. Yeah. Um, with without the film. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I know that's starting to happen uh, some in the states as well, but. Um, but yeah, it's pretty great to see that. Yeah, I mean, we, we've seen that John Carpenter is now touring, uh, not just in the US, but, you know, kind of all over the world now. And he's kind of having this, uh, you know, not renaissance, but he's he's being accepted now and being, you know, hailed as this great musician uh, and largely for the film music he created, you know, 30 years ago. I mean, it's pretty amazing. You know, there's not, there's not a, a, a lot of people that do what he did and does where you know he directed these iconic films and also was the composer on yeah, them yeah um i mean he created one of the most famous horror themes of all time um for halloween and uh yeah his his work is 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 definitely an influence yeah is it is, would, would playing live is that something you could see yourself doing in the future i would i would love to um, I've, I've done a lot of performing live throughout my career, um, in, in various contexts, uh, but not, not yet, uh, as a film composer. Yeah. So, um, I'm looking forward to some, some opportunities that, you know, the one little thing that I did recently to just dip the tiniest part of my toe in that water <laughs> was, um, there was a Mr. Robot uh, Emmy event right, right. that happened in Hollywood uh, three or four weeks ago. And they invited me to come participate. And uh, I ended up performing live score to a table read that the cast did as part of the event. Wow. So it was, you know, it was just short and simple. I just brought like my laptop and a keyboard and I did sort of a live version of the score that had been written for the scene that they read from season one. Right. And it was, it was, it was a lot of fun. I think it, I think it, I did enjoy it and people seem to think it added, added something nice.
as of the moment, I mean, American Horror Story, American Crime Story, Mr. Robot, we just had uh, Autism in Love as well. I mean, there's there's quite a lot of diversity in the shows and, and the movies and the documentaries and stuff that you are doing uh, right now. Do you kind of have a preference to the work you would like to do? Well, I mean, I think that... Uh for whatever reason, I have tended towards the darker subject matter, um, things with, with an edge, um, not, not a whole lot of comedy. I mean, autism and love is a little bit of an exception. It's, it's more of like a heartfelt, true story. Um, but yeah, for whatever reason that, that does seem to be the place that I, that I feel pretty comfortable and, you know, thriller. I mean, I think you would call Mr. Robot like a psychological thriller. Absolutely. That's, that's pretty much right up my alley. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, I mean, are you, are you a horror fan yourself? Um, I'm not a, I'm not a huge horror fan. Um, I watch it occasionally now more sort of for reference. Right. Right. Uh, to see like what people are doing and, but, uh, but yeah, I watched it more when I was younger, but I, I don't I don't watch it so much now. Do you think something like scoring a horror film is something that you could be into? I certainly could be into it. Yeah. Yeah, without a doubt. Because I mean, you did you did the score for LA Slasher, but it's it's not. Um, I don't want to say it's not a typical horror film because it's not a typical horror film. But you know, kind of uh, if for arguments say the the guys behind the new Halloween film came to you and said, "Hey, would you would you want to take a stab at this?" Uh, no pun intended. Uh, is that something you think you could be into? I mean, definitely. That's cool. Um, I, I definitely, and, I, and I'm you know I'm open to almost anything that someone might bring to me. Uh, you know, the one the one criteria really that I'm hoping to attract and and look for is that it's something of really high quality. Mm-hmm. Like I want to, you know, I want to work on something that uh, is a special project where at, at every level it's, it's top notch. Yeah. So if the new Halloween film wants me to, <laughs> wants me to score it and it's a fantastic film, then by all means, let's, let's do it. No, that'd be fantastic. I mean, how, when, when you are approached to do uh, a project, um, do you prefer, having uh, a lot of time to work on something or do you prefer kind of the uh, the spontaneity or kind of being up against it you know i think i i'm kind of <clears throat> i'm i'm most comfortable if there's sort of an a medium amount of time right because if i have too much time then i just procrastinate the whole time <laughs> right and you know it's like oh well i've got uh, you know ages to finish this so my i you know i don't need to start till like whenever um but there is something good about getting some pressure and it can be very uncomfortable and stressful, but a lot of good results for me can come out of having to meet the deadline. So if I have sort of this medium amount of time, but still some pressure, um, that, that seems to be pretty. Yeah. I mean, working in television, uh, as you do, I mean, you must create an enormous wealth of material that is used and some that isn't used, uh, you know, for various reasons. Do you find yourself going back to things uh, depending on what the project is? That that'll will definitely happen. Yeah, 
yeah, if it if it's an idea that I feel strongly about, but it just doesn't work for whatever reason in that particular scene, <clears throat> I'll keep it sort of on the back burner and, and return to it. And, you know, the same thing can happen um, if, you know, I, I turn in an idea that ultimately isn't used. Um, you know, it goes into the it goes into the library that that all the editors have access to. Right. And so I, I might get a cut of the next episode and I find they've used that cue. They've stuck that cue in, into this scene, uh, in the new episode that never got used before. So it's kind of nice how things can, can happen like that. Can work out. Do you find, I mean, for a show like Mr. Robot, um, is there much collaboration between yourself and the writers or the directors of each episode? Well, um, so far in in my experience with all of these shows, um, there there doesn't tend to be a whole lot of collaboration with uh, with the directors unless they are one of the main producers. Right. Okay. So with the Ryan Murphy shows, if Ryan is directing, then you know we're directly collaborating on it. Um, and the same with Mr. Robot uh, in season one. You know, the, the collaboration was essentially between myself and the creator, Sam Esmail. Mm-hmm. And um, he directed maybe, I think, episodes in season one. Um, season two, he's, he's directing all of them. Oh, well, okay. And so that's, and th- yeah, that's pretty much where, where it happens. Um, Sam has a, a big, wonderful vision for the music and... And we, we bounce things back and forth, and hmm. that's how we arrive at, at the final score. Yeah. What kind of, um, what influences you when you're creating a score like Mr. Robot? Well, I mean, it starts with a conversation with Sam about, you know, the particular episode, the particular scenes, uh, what what we think might work here, what might work there. And, you know, given those parameters, I start to... I start to create and um, you know, each cue is a little different and one might all start be, they might be inspired by a particular sound that I've created or, or come across. And then that one sound is the, is the beginning of the entire track and everything gets built on that. Um, Other times it might start with a melody or motif that uh, everything will will be built around that. It really just depends on the the particular scene. Wow, that's fantastic. Has there been, um, I don't want to say like a shift, but from season one to season two, has there been any kind of uh, stylistic changes in the score? Well, that's something you'll have to wait a couple weeks for <laughs> to see when it airs. I'm not supposed to really talk about too much about it. No, that's, it. that's fair enough. That's um, fair enough. <laughs> no, just because I mean the the, the character, the, the character of Elliot in the TV show is a very very complex character, and the way that season one ended was just kind of like <gasps> you know this big kind of like last gasp moment kind of thing. So I'm I'm just one of the things that really stands out about the show is the score 
and the role that it plays in Elliot's life. So I just wondered, now that this this big thing has happened, I'm not going to mention what happens in season one, just in case anyone listening to this hasn't actually seen season one yet. But, you know, this big thing happens, and now it picks up in season two. And I just, you know, I'm just very curious about what happens with the music, because the music for season one is fantastic. Well, I can't talk about the season, the music. I can just say, <laughs> I mean, you know, there was that knock on the door at the end yeah. of the episode, and, of course, everyone's wondering what it is. It, it turns out he had just ordered a pizza and and you know it's a little disappointing i was hoping there was something else but the guy was delivering a pizza well for you and know uh, sort of you know it's a surprise yeah yeah a man I, a man's got to eat. Have said that no, either it's fine it's fine man has to eat so it's uh it's all good now um are you i'm, I'm assuming you've seen it already but invader ha- are bringing out this deluxe vinyl version of the mr robot score season one and season two have you seen it yet um, you know, I haven't seen the final packaging in person, right? Just pictures, and um, I was sent some test pressings once they once they had created those, mm. um, which I have to admit, I I went out and bought a turntable. Wow! Because I thought, okay, the the, <laughs> the second coming of vinyl is here. <laughs> I better get a turntable. And um, and I listened to the test pressings, which sounded great. And they were also kind enough to send me like a little care package of a bunch of their recent releases. Oh, that's so now wonderful. I've got my my film score vinyl collection is is off to a good start. It's growing. You're becoming one of us now. So uh, it's it's a steady it's a steady slope, my friend. I will say that to you. I've seen images of the package. It looks fantastic. Uh, I'm sure people are going to 
you know, be flipping out over it when it when it comes out. Did you have any say in the amount of tracks that we used on the release of the soundtrack? Um, I did. And, you know, there were discussions initially with uh, with Lakeshore mm-hmm. and uh, the studio and Sam. And we talked about a variety of possible scenarios. Mm-hmm. Um, all, and the initial ideas w- were that it would include some of the songs used in the show. Right. Um, maybe there would be a, a handful of songs and the rest score, or maybe there would be one disc with songs and one with score. And ultimately, it was decided that um, pretty much anyone can go on Spotify right now and listen to all the songs yes, yeah. from season one. Um, so maybe releasing the songs wasn't needed. And instead, let's do just score mm-hmm. and sam like let's do as much as we can <laughs> and so that's that's why it turned into a double cd length yeah and um so i knew i had just under 150 minutes to play with Ooh. between the two discs right and um the other idea that came out of those conversations was to try to do something that was chronological. Yes. That would start from the beginning of episode one and end at the ep- end of episode 10. Yeah. It's one of the things I, I actually like about, about the release that it does go in that chronological order. I wasn't sure it would work. Um, you know, I, I think the, maybe the more important criteria is you want some, a, a good listening experience. Hmm. And so just because it's in the same order as it was, in the show doesn't mean that's going to provide that listening experience. Yeah. But, um, I, I, you know, I started working with that in mind. I, I started choosing tracks and, um, you know, my first, my first draft was like 250 minutes or something <laughs> <laughs> too much. So, so I started cutting it down and, and then I had something that was was in the range and worked pretty well. And there was just a couple of spots where it didn't really sound so great going from this cue to that cue. Mm-hmm. And I would I would swap it out for something else. And uh, I ended up with a sequence that I thought was a good listening experience and also was purely chronological. It, it does start with the very first cue mm. in episode one. It ends with the very last cue in episode 10. And, um, you know, it does not include every cue no, in between, no. but, but has but has a lot of them. Yeah, I mean, it's one of the great things. Uh, I, I mentioned this to uh, Reg from Invader, who are, who are putting out the vinyl version. Even though, I mean, the fact that it's over four sides of vinyl, I mean, that's, that is a lot to listen to, um, you know, in one go or two goes, however you listen to it. But the thing about the Mr. Robot score is if you took away the fact that it's a tv show the music is telling you a story and even if you haven't seen the show you can still pick up that this is a story but it's still a great album of electronic music you know so i I really think the sequence works really well well great thanks i'm i'm uh i'm pretty i'm pretty pleased i mean of course you know now that it's that it's out um, on on CD, I'm I'm going. Oh, I wish I'd done that and changed <laughs> that. But 
but I, you know, I got to let, let all that go. I really like the final side um, of uh, the soundtrack LP because it's, it's the mania, Elliot's mania kind of really, it, it gets crunchy towards the end. And there's kind of this, there's this edge. Yeah. That, that final, you know, that final couple of episodes of the season, I mean, things just really started to get twisted and um and the music went went right along with it so um <laughs> i just yeah yeah i mean season two i mean season two uh cannot come quick enough of mr robot but i mean aside from mr robot what else have you got going on right now well um i'm just starting to do the slightest bit for uh american horror story season six. Oh, cool which um is a little earlier than I've gotten involved in the last two seasons, but um, but yeah, they they brought me in and you know I read some top secret scripts and <laughs> uh, and it's yeah I'm excited they've they've got a really great idea and um, you know as always they they just do such top notch work I'm really um, looking forward to seeing you know, what it, what it starts to come together as I, I haven't seen anything yet. I just yeah. know a little bit about what they're, what they're planning. Yeah. I mean, American horror story is so visually stunning. Yeah. Without, without a doubt, it's certainly like the last couple of seasons were actually like horror was just sort of part of it. It wasn't even yeah, I mean, horror. The hotel season was just from the get go. It was just, wow. It just, you kind of, it really does have that wow factor and that kind of knockout, um, look to it um were you it one? looked um that hotel looked <laughs> yeah amazing. exactly exactly um uh, <laughs> i got to go to the set oh no way just, it was it was something special very special was it an actual hotel or was it an actual set the interior yeah was it was a set right right i mean that the work that must have gone into creating that beast uh, of, of a set must have been insane yeah, it was beautiful. Really, really well done. How was it working on a show like American Horror Story where it changes from the storyline? Well, no, not the storyline, but the story itself changes from season to season. Does that kind of... Do you try to keep anything similar in the score or do you just, you know, completely fresh, different every time? Well, I've, I've just I've just done what you described once so far. So from, from uh, going from season four to season five... Um, and yeah, the idea was to make it completely different, to create a, a new musical universe to, to tell the story in. Cool. And, um, and I'm, and that's going to be the same again for, for going to season six. Um, so, you know, kind of conceptually, um, that's my intention. I won't, I won't try to do anything that is musically related. Right. Um, but then also technically, uh, I won't use any of the same sounds I used. It'll be all completely different sounds, everything, everything different. Yeah. And is that the same for Mr. Robot season two? Ah, uh, you're trying to trick me into answering <laughs> that question about the music. I'm sorry. Um, I'm just a fan. I'm just a fan. I'll hold no, my hands up. <laughs> no, I, you know, it's, it's going to be familiar. It's definitely, yeah, which we're we're not. Um, it's it's not like American Horror Story where it's a completely different story. Mm. You know, it's it's a continuation from yeah. from uh, what was started in season one. So the 
the, the music will definitely be familiar excellent stuff well thank you very much for joining us today mac i've really enjoyed talking to you it's been an absolute pleasure uh, i hope i didn't fanboy out on you too much no no not at all and i've i've really enjoyed it and now i'm uh i'm inspired to get my uh, my band together so i can come over there and do some shows please do please do well i really look forward to uh mr robot season two obviously mr robot season one is available now on cd and digital and is coming very soon to a vinyl stockist near you so once again thank you mac and i uh, hope to talk to you again in the future all right have a great day Big thanks to Matt Quayle for giving up so much of his time there to talk to me all about Mr. Robot. The score for Mr. Robot is currently available on CD and digital with a vinyl release currently on pre-order through Invader Records.